0: So, John 21, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. 15, 16, and 17 is uh, what we're going to be looking at. And this is a continuation of our series. We're going through on Sunday mornings the commands of Christ. Uh, Today we looked at, um, under the series of my calling, we looked at um, uh, the importance of praying for more laborers. Tonight we're going to look at yet another one of the callings of Christ on our lives through his command. Look at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep." He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And therein we find, in those last three words of verse 17, we find the title of our message tonight, feed my sheep. Let's pray. Lord Guide us and help us this evening. Give each of us the strength we need. And Lord, may we uh, gather from the Word of God those things that will encourage us and motivate us, Lord, to be obedient to you. Help us to be men and women, uh, your children who are obedient to your commands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Many Christians find Peter to be one of the most relatable, if not the most relatable, character in the New Testament. I'm glad the Bible is very transparent and open about Peter's struggles. Um, Last Sunday, we looked at Christ's command to watch and pray. In Peter's early years, he epitomized um, a willing spirit, but a weak flesh. Peter would let his mouth write out commitment checks that his flesh was just not ready Or able to sign. Matthew 16. Peter, uh, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And uh, Jesus says, "...flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven." But also in Matthew 16, Peter rebukes the Lord for prophesying his own death and resurrection. Jesus looks at him and says, "...get thee behind me, Satan." Same guy, same chapter. "...flesh and blood hath not revealed this to thee, get thee behind me, Satan." um here's Peter standing on the mountaintop of Mount um, of, of the Transfiguration and um, there he is um, and he he opens his mouth at a time where he should have just been silent. You know the old phrase right it's better to let people think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt and uh, everyone knew that Peter had a problem with sticking his foot in his mouth, maybe more so here than any other place uh, the Jesus is being transfigured with Moses and Elijah, and James and John did the right thing. They were silent. They were reverent in that moment. Peter just couldn't help himself, right? Peter, he opens his mouth, and he says, let's build a tabernacle for all three people here, and only to realize how foolish that sounded as um, the transfiguration continued. Then we consider Peter in Mark 14 Where Peter says, I will not be offended of you. I'll stand by your side all the way to the death just a few verses later. Peter is sleeping instead of praying and then he is denying instead of standing. Peter's ups and downs are akin to a roller coaster ride. Roller coaster ride. Where is it that we find him in John 21? He's quit. He's thrown in the towel. He is done with serving the Lord. He doesn't want anything to do with it anymore. He's given up on the work of the Lord. He's gone back to what he did prior to having met Jesus. He's fishing. Over the years, I have known many people who got discouraged for one reason or another, and they are no longer serving Jesus. You may think I'm talking about Bible college students. And I am in part. Or you may think I'm talking about pastors who resign their churches for a regular 9 to 5. And again, I am also talking about that too. Or you may think I'm talking about missionaries who leave their field behind over discouragement and loneliness. And again, I know those who have done that. But I'm also talking about church members who used to teach a Sunday school class or used to help on a bus route or used to usher or used to help in the nursery. I'm talking about church members who used to visit the shut-ins and used to text a brother or sister and check up on them when they haven't been in church in a while. I'm also talking about church members who used to pass out gospel tracts and go out on regular church organized visitation and soul winning and tell the lost about salvation. I'm talking about church members who used to care about living separate from the world and living a life of holiness, but now have dropped their standards and are comfortable looking like and living like the lost world around them. Across this country, throughout this church, across the globe, there are Christians who say like Peter, I go a-fishing. I give up. I'm done. I quit. Maybe you still show up and sit on a pew. Maybe you're here in body, but you're done. You've had your fill. You don't want anything else to do with it. For one reason or another, you say, I quit. Let me say this evening that if you, like Peter, if you're like Peter, And you're in that time of backsliding. God is not done with you. He's still calling you to feed His sheep. Let's look at four thoughts this evening as we consider the calling of Christ to feed my sheep. Number one, notice Peter's discouragement. Peter's discouragement. Letter A. Why he quit? Why he quit? Take your Bibles with me over to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 33. And this story is familiar to us. We just looked at it again last Sunday morning, but just for reference' sake. And those who maybe weren't here for that service, let's uh, let's take the time to go back. Again, we find the same story in Mark 14, and again in Luke, and again in John. But Matthew 26 and verse 33. The Bible says, "Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never, will I never be offended." Jesus saith, "In verily I say unto thee, This night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice." Peter said unto him, "Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee." Likewise also said the disciples. Likewise also said all the disciples. Look down at verse seventy-three. We fast forward all the way to the end of the story and the Bible says, And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them for thy speech bewraith thee. Then he began to curse and to swear saying, I know not the man and immediately the cock crew and Peter remembered the words of Jesus which said unto him, Before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice and he went out and wept bitterly. Jesus had many disciples, but 12 that he worked with closely. Of the 12 disciples, 3 of them made up Jesus inner circle: Peter, James, and John. Of those 3, Jesus declared in Matthew 16:18, "Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." It is clear that Peter was the leader of the twelve. He was the leader of the disciples. So when Peter stood up and told Jesus, yet will I never be offended, Peter had climbed way out on a branch, only to have that branch snap, and for him to have an embarrassing fall. Peter was certain that Jesus was disappointed in him. I often wonder if Jesus didn't come out with spit running down his face, and Maybe a bruise on his cheekbone. He'd come out right as Peter denied him. The cock crowed. and We don't know this, but I wonder if Jesus didn't just look at Peter. and Peter, look at Jesus. The Bible says that he went out and he wept bitterly. Now we know that Peter is going to have a few encounters with Jesus to come prior to John 21. But you want to know when I think Peter quit? I think he quit right here. I think his body kept going through the motions. But I think he quit right here. Why did he quit? Because he failed. He failed. I'll go with thee to the death. Only to cower to a little girl questioning him about his speech. Letter B, we see how he quit. How he quit. Go back to John 21. Let me say that when he quit, others quit with him. He didn't quit by himself. He took others in the boat. He said, I go a-fishing, and at least six disciples climbed in the boat with him. The Bible says, there were together, Simon Peter, verse 2, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his disciples that are left unnamed. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They said unto him, notice the response, we also go with thee. They went forth, entering into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Again, six disciples flirted with the idea of throwing in the towel and quitting. I want you to understand tonight that each one of us has a scope of influence. From the youngest one in the room all the way up to the eldest uh, listening in this evening. Everyone has a scope of influence. You say, oh, not me. I'm a loner. I keep to myself. What influence do I have? And uh, don't take my word for it. Paul said in Romans 14:7, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Everyone has a scope of influence. And when you quit, or you backslide, or you decide you're not going to go the right direction, and you put down your uh, heels in the, in the dirt, and you say... I'm not going any further for the Lord, and this is as far as I go. And uh, Maybe you even turn around and walk away from church altogether. What you fail to see is uh, the people that you lead away along with you. How did he quit? He took others with him. And notice, uh, how did he quit? He threw out his standards. Look at John 21 and verse 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved... "...said unto Peter, it is the Lord." So John says to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat up unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Now was he in his birthday suit? I highly doubt the other fishermen would have been comfortable with a Peter wearing absolutely nothing. He was probably sitting there shirtless. He was probably shirtless. He had taken his shirt off. And he's sitting in the boat fishing. And I have observed that when many, uh, when, when my peers quit college. All right, I'm in college, Bible college. And many of my peers would get sideways over something and they quit. I notice the first thing they do is is display their rebellion through immodest dress. First thing they do. Immodest dress. Uh, they, they would load up pictures uh, of themselves uh, through some platform of them wearing something that was just way against the college rules. And not even way against the college rules, way against anything decent and modest. I've seen church members do the same thing. Why is it that when someone is in rebellion from the Lord, generally the first thing they do is unclothe themselves? They unclothe themselves. I'm going to wear my clothes a little bit tighter or a little bit lower. I'm going to change my standard. Uh, this is exactly what Peter did. He took his shirt off in the boat. Remember, none of us live to ourselves or die to ourselves. When you are discouraged, what should you do? What should you do? You should stay right where you are until you are clear-headed enough to make a godly, biblical, appropriate, God-led decision. Peter's discouragement. Hey, listen, if you're going to do this Christian life thing for any length of time, you're going to hit a stage of discouragement. You just are. It's going to be a time where Satan gets up in your ear and tells you that you're no good. He tells you you're not worth anything. He tells you, you know what, I bet you can miss church for a month straight and the pastor probably wouldn't even notice If you miss church for a month straight, I promise you, I'm going to notice. I'm going to notice. Uh, the, The devil's going to get on your shoulder and he's going to tell you there's millions of Christians in the world. What's it matter if you drop off? You go live your life for yourself. Don't worry about those Christian zealots. You just do you and don't worry about all of that. All of us have had times where we feel like our efforts fall short. Uh, We invite people to church and they don't come. Uh, Our voice doesn't seem to uh, land or be heard. And we just want to throw in the towel and quit. And I want to say in those times of discouragement, stay the course, be patient, be still, and wait for God to lead you. Number two, we see the Lord's discernment. The Lord's discernment. Now, we all can see where Peter's coming from. He had put himself out there. And then in that moment, he had failed, he had embarrassed himself, Uh, he wasn't where he should have been, and Peter wanted to throw in the towel and walk away. But oftentimes, a healthy exercise is for us to look at it from the other person's perspective. How about Jesus? He had invested three and a half years into training Peter to take the reins after he ascended to heaven and lead the effort here on earth. Three and a half years invested, and for Peter to quit and just walk away would have just thrown all of that down the drain, and the Lord was not about to let that happen. And so the Lord plans something while they're out there in the boat. The Lord plans uh, to uh, help restore uh, Peter, letter A. We see he reminded Peter of his calling. He reminded Peter of his calling. Turn with me to John 21 and verse 5. I think what's going to help me tonight is not ice-cold water, but just tap water. Is someone get me a cup of tap water out of the sink over here and uh, bring that up to me. I would appreciate that. Thank you, Erlon. I appreciate that. John 21 and verse 5, the Bible says, Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast thy net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it, For the multitude of fishes. Boy, this sounds familiar. Take your Bibles over to Luke. Luke chapter number 5. Luke 5. Turn over there quickly. Uh, The Lord is reminding Peter of his calling. Peter is shirtless in the boat. He's getting ready to quit, go back to fishing. He's done. He's discouraged. And immediately the Lord hearkens back to the day that Peter was called to serve him. Look at Luke 5 and look at verse 4. The Bible says, Now when he had left speaking... Uh, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a drought. This is way back at the very beginning. And Simon answering, and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, um, nevertheless, at thy word will I let down the net. And when, they had, uh, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break and they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship but they should not come uh, that they should come and help them rather and they came and filled both of the ships so that they began to sink when Simon Peter saw it he fell down at Jesus knees saying depart from me for i am a simple man o lord for he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken and So was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partakers with Simon. And James said, or Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So now, here Peter is, and he says to them after they fished all night and haven't caught a thing, I wonder if maybe the Lord was already working on Peter's heart before this encounter even happened, where they're out there fishing all night, their nets in the water, and nothing is coming up. And then he calls out from the shore, Have you caught any fish? Obviously, Jesus knew the answer was no. He says, Let down your fish. Uh, let down your net. And they do. And again, just as the day Peter was called, that net came up. That net came up. Now, do you remember the day you got saved? Do you remember the love that burned in your heart to do something for the Lord? Do you remember the commitment that almost burned right through your chest because you had to set the world on fire for the Lord? Do you remember when the Lord called you to be a soul winner? Do you remember when the Lord called you to be a prayer warrior? Do you remember when the Lord called you to serve here in the church in some capacity? Do you remember the zeal that screamed, I crawl over broken glass to serve my Savior. Oh, I am not worthy, but I have been saved by the One who is. In my time of great discouragement as a Christian, especially in in college and then in church ministry, I have hearkened back to the time when the Lord called me into church ministry I remember as a 12-year-old boy standing in a a, a a teen service down in Louisiana, the one I am taking my family to here at the end of this month. I've taken Matthew to the last two years. I remember standing in in the service during the invitation singing, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. And uh, the, the preaching and the environment was so to where... I could not handle any more within my own flesh and I just sat down and began to sob and my body began to shake because I could. I just knew the Lord was calling me to do His work and to give Him my heart and I remember going down to the front and being handed a blank 4 by 6 card and a pen and being told to write down my decision on that card and I remember writing down I'll sell out for Jesus. I'll sell out for Jesus. He can have it all and I, I, I dabbled in the idea of being a missionary throughout my teen years and then became a little less certain of that as I got closer to college. And I remember my junior year of college sitting on the second row there in the center section uh, of Hiles Anderson and Bob Hooker preaching a sermon about the immorality of this country and how we need men to surrender to be pastors and lead America back. And I remember the Lord just ripping me to shreds on the inside saying, I want you to be a pastor in this country. I want you to follow that path. I had no idea that White Oak Baptist Church existed but God was already beginning to prepare me for this church and this church for me and I walked down the aisle that day with tears in my eyes and I told the Lord, I said I know you're calling me to pastor I will do that. Now, God has not called you necessarily to pastor but He has called you to be a godly Christian that serves the Lord faithfully here through this church. Do you remember the day God called you to be a soul winner? Do you remember the day God called you to be a prayer warrior? Do you remember the day that you told the Lord, he, Take my life and let it be consecrated unto thee? He reminded Peter of his calling. Let her be. He reminded Peter of his serving. He reminded Peter of his serving. Jesus very subtly is reeling Peter back into the work he has trained him to do. Look at John 21 and look at verse number 12. The Bible says, "...Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine." And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh, and uh, taketh bread, and giveth them, and fish likewise." Go over to John 6 in your Bibles. John 6. "...No doubt, as Jesus break the bread and fishes and distributed to the disciples, Peter remembered the day that he helped feed the 5,000 when the fishes were broken." And the bread was broken and he took the basket from the Lord and he passed out all that he could and he came back and the Lord filled it up again and he distributed again and he broke the bread and fishes again. Look at John 6 and look at verse 8. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, Uh, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I can see Peter sitting there by the fire. He's quit. He's given up. And the Lord hands him, breaks bread and breaks fish and puts it in a platter and says, Come and dine, Peter come and dine. You know what else was attached to that day? That breaking of the bread and fishes of the 5000 was just a few hours later in the twilight, in the middle of the night, Peter would walk on water and no doubt as that plate was handed to him, memories came rushing back of his feeding of the 5000s and his toiling in the sea and then his walking on the water. The Lord was slowly reeling him back in. I have seen many folks get to the fourth quarter of their life and they think, I've done my part to serve in the church. I've done my part to help. We'll let the younger crowd step up and do theirs. And they let their fourth quarter of life, the golden years of their life, just be a time where they just coast to the finish line. They're not busy serving. They're not busy helping. They're not busy loving. And I just want to remind you of a day where you served at one time, where you used to be on the nursery schedule. You used to help uh, uh, with the ushering. You used to uh, you used to show up and clean the building. You used to go out and pass out tracts. You used to bring people to church and see people get saved. Uh, he reminded Peter of his serving. Do you remember that that time where you faithfully served the Lord? See, he reminded Peter of his failing, of his failing. Go to John 21, first the net and fishes reminding him of his calling, then the fish and bread reminding him of his serving, now the coals and fire to remind Peter of his failing. John 21, 9, the Bible says, as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread the fire and the coals where peter had warmed his hands now uh, every june our men have a camp out and we go and sit around the campfire and we cook up big steaks and in the morning we have a big breakfast and boil the coffee over the fire and i love to just sit around a outdoor fire and just let my clothes absorb that smell that carbon right into my clothes. I love that smell. There's a lot of sentiment about that. And men's campouts, that smell reminds me of men's campouts. And it reminds me of going out camping with my dad when I was a boy. And there's a lot of memory there. I'm sure as Peter approached the coals in the fire and he smelled that wood there burning, it reminded him of the night that he betrayed the Lord. Mark 14, verse 66, And as Peter was beneath In the palace there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, there he is by the fire, and looking upon him and said, Art thou also, and thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth? But he denied, saying, I know not. Neither understood I, understand I, what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch in the cock crew. The Lord has created a nostalgic environment that has worked up every possible emotion inside of Peter. We see Peter's discouragement, the Lord's discernment. Number three, notice Peter's devotion. Peter's devotion. Go back with me to John 21 and let's look at verse 15. The Bible says, And when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. It's interesting. Three times Peter denied Christ. And three times the Lord asked Peter, Lovest thou me? I don't know exactly how this went down, obviously. None of us do. But here's how I think it probably went down Peter drug the net onto the shore with the fish. The Lord handed Peter a plate of food. Peter walked a distance off, 15, 20, 30 feet away from everybody else. And he sat down on a rock with his back to the rest of the disciples. Ate his food. The Lord let Peter be. Then I wonder if the Lord did not walk over to where Peter was and find a rock very close and sit within just a few feet of Peter and say to him with Peter's head down, the Lord's eyes piercing right through Peter, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Peter would have been unable to look up with his head down. He said, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Feed my lambs. Peter, lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Feed my sheep, Peter. And a third time, the Lord says to Peter, lovest thou me? And I see a tear begin to run down the cheek of Peter. As he feels so disappointed with himself. And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So many people today, they're sitting on the sideline. And they're not serving God. And it isn't because they have a problem with God. It's because they have a problem with themselves. They're so disappointed in themselves over life's struggles and hurts. They think, I'm not worthy. I can't serve. I can't do this. I just can't. The Lord does not ask you if you're worthy. The Lord asks you, Do you love me? Look back with me at verse 15. We find a very interesting phrase here from the Lord. He says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? This passage has intrigued me for many years. I have wondered for many years now what these is referring to. Now these is a pronoun referring back to a person, place, thing, or idea. Jesus was clearly pointing at something or someone when he said this. We are only left to speculate. Lovest thou me more than these? What did Jesus mean when he said, Lovest thou me more than these? Maybe he was asking Peter, Do you love me more than letter A, these fish? Do you love me more than these fish? After all, Peter had quit serving Jesus in order to go back to fishing. He had gone back to fishing. And maybe the Lord wanted to know, do you love me more than you love fish? Or do you love fish more than you love me? You see, those fish, while they did represent something that Peter was good at, they also represented an income. A money that Peter uh, uh, could have in order to pay his way to take care of his wife and potentially his children. 1 John 2.15 tells us, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Many people give up on serving Jesus because they'd rather pursue a career making money so that they can love the world and all of its things. He asked Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Maybe he was referring to the fish. But maybe he was referring to these men. Peter, lovest thou me more than these men? Again, he had been their leader for three and a half years. He had led six of them to get into a fishing boat with him. Sometimes people end up loving the community of friends and family within a Christian environment more than they love serving Jesus. Jesus. When forced to make a choice, they will choose their friends over serving the Lord. And I have seen this take place in churches that split. I have seen churches that split where it was clear... Who is right and who is wrong? But someone's friend was acting like the devil and was being led through the flesh and they wanted to leave the church. And so the people who were loyal to the wrong person, they followed them out in the flesh because they were more loyal to these men or these women than they were to truth in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lovest thou me more than these men? But maybe, he was asking Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these men love me? Lovest thou me Lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than these men love me? Now, in my opinion, this is the most likely scenario. The Lord had changed his name from Simon to Cephas, meaning little stone. Uh, he was to be the leader of the church after Christ ascended to heaven. People could not lead the way if he... Uh, love Jesus less than the other disciples. Many people give up on serving Jesus because they just really don't love him as they should. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I need you, Miss Cheryl, to take me off the nursery schedule. I just can't do it anymore. Were you watching the nursery for Miss Cheryl or were you doing it because you love Jesus? Well, Brother Mike, Brother Tom, I need you to take me off the usher schedule. I I just, I need a break. Did, were you doing it because you were trying to please someone? Or were you doing it because you love Jesus? Well, I just can't help with maintaining the cleanliness of the building anymore. I know am volunteering, but I just can't do that. Is it because, were you doing it for the wrong reasons? You see, when we're doing it because we're loving Jesus, boy, that is a driving motivator. I stood there this evening, and I'm admittedly a little emotional because I'm sick, but I stood there this evening as we sang those two songs, um, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and how deep the Father's love for us. And I sat, stood there, and I, I got so choked up during how deep the Father's love for us that I couldn't even mouth the words or sing, because, because the, the devotion that the Lord had to bear my sin. Upon his shoulder, he went through such agony and pain to buy my way out of hell. The least I can do is give my entire being to live for him. It's the least I can do. And honestly, if you're going to compare a lifetime spent serving Jesus to what Jesus did on the cross, it's so little. It's so little. We're so worried about being inconvenienced and uncomfortable that we just throw in the towel on serving the Lord. The problem isn't anything other than you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Do you love Jesus enough to stay faithful over a lifetime and serve Him? How precious are the funerals that are done by pastors who bury a church member who for 50, 60, 70 years gave their whole being to serve the Lord with every spare moment or every moment that they could uh, give up to the Lord. Peter's discouragement, the Lord's discernment, we see Peter's devotion. I want to ask you before we move on to the final point tonight, how devoted are you to the Lord? I didn't ask how devoted you were to your job or how devoted you are to your kids. If you're a mama in here, I expect you to be devoted to your kids. God made you that way. You're not winning any prizes in heaven by being devoted to your kids. God instinctually built you that way. It'd be something wrong with you if you didn't do that. I'm not asking you tonight if you're devoted to a man in this church or a woman in this church. I'm not asking you tonight if you're a good American citizen. I'm asking you tonight, are you devoted Whole heartedly to the Lord? Are you devoted enough to show up faithfully to church services? Are you devoted enough to consistently worship the Lord through the offering plate and not only tithe, but give above your tithe with offerings? I'm asking you tonight, are you wholly devoted to the Lord enough to say, here is the gifts that you've given me and you saved my soul and you gave me gifts and I'm going... <coughs> I'm going to give them back to you, and I'm going to worship you through my service. My life will be a living sacrifice. Some of you here tonight, you've been sitting on the sidelines far too long. It's time to get up off the sidelines and get back in and and decide you're going to be fully and wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. Number four, we see the Lord's directive. The Lord's directive. Letter A, lambs need to be fed. Lambs need to be fed. Look at John 21, look at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Notice the Lord's response. Okay, you say you love me. Feed my lambs. Now we know the difference between sheep and lambs. Lambs would be like the babies. And sheep would be the more generic term. But would more uh, when those two words are contextually together... Sheep would be the grown up um, uh, version, and lambs would be the babies and and so lambs need to be fed they need to be fed in fact, the root word here for um, uh, for feed is the word bosco, which means feed or tend. Or heard, And so you're nursing, you're coddling, you're, you're, you're raising up. We understand that there are new Christians in our church. In fact, there's a handful of people that attend here on Sunday morning. And uh, uh, I had a meeting with Pastor Andrew this week. And of all of the visitors that have been attending, we've been trying to get them uh, organized and decide how we're going to visit them. And where are they in the process of, of being saved or do they need to be baptized? And there's a whole bunch of people that attend here right now on Sunday morning we're not even really sure that they're saved and so our heart right now is to try to get to them and make sure that they get the gospel of Jesus Christ but no doubt in our church not only do we have those who are unsaved but we also have those that are saved and they're babies in Christ that may even be some of you here tonight you're still new to uh, growing in the Lord and you know what you need you need the pastor to give you the sincere milk of the word of God. Sheep need uh, rather uh, lambs need to be fed. They need to be fed and they need to be luffed on and they need to be uh, coddled and nurtured in order to be able to grow. Let her be sheep need to be led. Sheep need to be led. Look at verse 16. He saith unto him the second time, Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now there's a different word used here for feed in the Greek in 16 than the one in 15. The word here is poi Maino, which means shepherd, shepherd my flock, gently guide and 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 lead them from one pasture to another. And you know, I think about what I do as the chief under shepherd of White Oak Baptist Church. Yes, I am responsible for uh, feeding the lambs and making sure we have a discipleship program that gets them plugged in and helped and, and have all of those uh, systems in place. But it is also my job to corporately lead the church body uh, from one field to the other and make sure that we're all together and we're all going in the same direction and make sure that sheep are not biting other sheep. Now, you're not called to do that. I am. But what you are called to do is shepherd your flock at home. What you are called to do is to uh, be a good Christian and a good leader at work. Some of you, you're the only Christian at work. The only one. You're surrounded by lost people. And they know you're a Christian. And you know what? Whether or not they like it, whether or not they uh, buy into what you believe, they look to you to be a beacon of light that marches forward in times of uncertainty. Sheep need to be led, letter C. Sheep also need to be fed Sheep also need to be fed. Verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And so he goes back to that word bosco, feed ten herd. Can I sum it up for you this way? Here's what the Lord was saying to Peter. He was saying, Peter, I have led you and I have fed you for three and a half years. I am the good shepherd and I am calling you to be an under shepherd. Go do as you have been taught. Get yourself up off the sidelines. Quit throwing yourself a pity party and get back to work. While God has not called you per se to pastor this church, He has called you to lead and feed those who He has put under your watch care. This is your calling. This is your calling. One preacher put it this way. There are two choices on the shelf. Pleasing God or pleasing self. To those of you who have grown up in church and been around the Word of God, you have been fed and led. Now it's your turn to go forth and help tend the flock of God. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Three classifications this evening. Three classifications. Classification one are people who are sitting on the sidelines who know they should be back in serving and they're not. Will you humble your heart tonight and make the choice to do that? The second classification are people who are doing serving on some level, but they're not really in it with their whole heart. They're going through the motions, and they're not doing it for the right reasons. The third classification would be those who are just all in on serving Jesus. They're giving it their all. Which one are you tonight? Do you have too much pride to allow you to humbly admit I need to get back and I need to get involved. I don't know why you are discouraged. Maybe it isn't discouragement. Maybe you just have a lack of love for the Lord as you ought to. Maybe that love for Him as Jesus said to the church of Ephesus maybe you have left your first love. But may God work on your heart this evening. How many of you here tonight would say, Pastor Lejeune, something from the message the Lord spoke to me. He's working on my heart. He's working on my heart. I know I need to be involved in feeding His sheep. Here's my hand. Would you pray for me? I see many hands. Many hands. Lord, guide us tonight. Help us to be faithful to Your Word. Lord, take the sledgehammer of truth and break up the hard hearts of pride and stubbornness. We can be so set in our ways. Sometimes, Lord, we're just too discouraged to get back up and live to fight another day. Lord God, encourage our hearts. Help us, like Peter, to get back in the game. Oh, we're so glad Peter did. In large part, we're here today because he did. Lord, who knows what the future holds for those who are yet to even be born because we get back in and we give our best. What influence will have in their life? Lord God, guide this time of imitation? Help us to make decisions that are pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.